were like, Mike Sam, stay put. Seriously. <laughs> um, but, uh, man, I cannot tell you, like, how excited I've been for this episode just because um, I don't know how much. You are know, too like, kind. You're oh, too man. kind. <laughs> it's, so, it's cool, you know, because, like, you know, obviously, like, the things we do, um, you know, like, at some point, it, it doesn't seem as cool to us anymore. Um, but like, I, I, I like when we spoke over the phone, I don't know how much I told you about what I do, but I'm a, um, I'm a professional tuba player. So this is like way. Wow. Yeah. How fun. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you know, and like for me, like this is way more interesting than anything I do in my, like, like this is just, uh, you know, in researching this topic, <laughs> preparing for it, um, I was blown away by like how much is just like how many different topics there are within this one thing because sure. you can't just look at it economically there's like a certain like tech sophistication involved in this um yep. and and just like the the human nature behind it all too is also just interesting um but you know what before we dive in um yeah it's probably just you know we may as well get get to know you a little bit if you would just want to introduce yourself to everyone sure Hi, I'm Julian Norgard. I'm an assistant professor of economics at Pepperdine University. I am a researcher on the dark net. I also work with the Sujo Global Justice Program here at Pepperdine, and I work on the data gathering of their interventions in the Ugandan and Rwandan judicial system. So that's another uh, component of what I'm up to. And I started researching the Darknet in graduate school because the kingpin of the Darknet got arrested my first year of graduate school. And that was really interesting to me as a first year economics student. So that's how I got introduced to the topic. Yeah. And that that's just, uh, I got to say, like, in all the lanes of economics that someone can go into, this is probably what I would have done. The too. coolest one. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> like, because... This is, um, again, in preparing for this, like, I just realized, um, like, the, the beast that is, like, you know, the above ground capitalism in terms of, like, how, you know, they're able to publicly market and all these things that they're able to do to uh, convince buyers that their product is safe, that it's, it's worth their money, and then, you know, having that in mind and thinking about, man, like how tough it must be to, uh, you know, create a, a dark net identity, gain reputation, um, yeah. like be as secretive as possible, but you still got to like be out there to, you know, to be known and all, all these yeah. like, uh, things, but, um, actually, and then, and one more thing before diving into the topic at hand, I'm just curious as to like, uh, I always ask my guests, like, if it wasn't this, like, what do you think you would be doing uh, with your life? Like, is there like another reality where you're like a, like all state volleyball player or something like that? <laughs> I wish yeah. I play volleyball for fun, but I don't think anyone would pay to see me play <laughs> volleyball. I have a really artistic side, mm -hmm. so I always think that maybe I'd be an artist or an interior designer. I know that doesn't seem to be going hand in hand with economics. There are definitely creative ways that you can be an economist, but yeah, I'd say artist slash interior designer if I wasn't an economist. So 
maybe that's our the the alternate universe of me being in it that's what it would look like it's not it's (laughs) never too it's never too well if you if you like um i met this uh lady she turned into like like now her her art is like at all these exhibits she's a um God, it, the word slips my mind, but it's people who work with clay. Like they like potter. Yeah, or, yeah, that's, okay. that's it. Or yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Because I know it's pottery, but I don't know what like the yeah, like the what you would call oh, the, the profession. The broad topic. Yeah, hmm. that's yeah. a good question. You know, yeah, I guess maybe. Sculptor? That's maybe. A, yeah, maybe. Sculptor. Maybe because I, I mean, you, yeah, you can sculpt ice and clay and yeah. So let's say <laughs> a sculptor, but not. She do she pick that up like totally brand new in her life when she was like That's in cool. her early seventies and is like wow. yeah and it's like now like her art is being displayed everywhere and she has like this whole set so anyway I I say all that just because she that, was saying hey interior design ex- could be in your future still <laughs> exactly. hey I appreciate it exactly <laughs> but um yeah no so uh, I would um like to I guess start off like. I guess, you know, talking about what my history and understanding is with the dark net, it's probably like a lot sure. of people's, but um, I'll never forget in high school, there was this uh, kid who had like better weed than everyone else. And we were like, man, like where, you know, where are you getting this? And I, unfortunately, I have no idea where he's at in life. Hopefully he's good. <laughs> but like, he was like, yeah, man, you know, I just like, I, I just go on the dark net and like it's cheaper and this and that and 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 i remember um you know the 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 kid in me like because i I was always just curious i was like man what is this like what does that even mean and when i like started looking up like the risk because i'm not a tech savvy person at all like it takes me like four hours to like get my like xbox working again so (laughs) like when i like looked at everything involved um that like you know, what it takes to like safely, whether buy or sell something, um, that was enough to just like discourage me from the whole thing. Um, you know, yeah. and I have no idea how. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Cause like we were like 13 at the time. So I don't know how he was doing it, but um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people know someone who has been both brave and probably a little dumb enough to actually buy something on the dark net and um at least at least in my generation because it's a fair the, the markets yeah. and everything are fairly new um yeah. but uh yeah no so you know i i guess my my first question for you is like what what's the process in estimating how much like revenue just overall is generated from like like all the transactions because obviously a lot of this is is hidden pretty well. So like how how do you guys get those numbers? Sure, great question. So if you don't mind, I'm just gonna back up a tiny bit just to talk about what the darknet is. As you mentioned, a lot of people fit, they're like, okay, darknet. Some kid in high school buying some drugs. He mentioned it or whatnot, right? That's kind of where most yeah. people know about it. So the darknet is a combination of anonymous searching and routing and cryptocurrency well and actually you can even search in the dark net without purchasing anything so dark net markets came about because of the advent of cryptocurrency so cryptocurrency is not fully anonymous but it is a semi-anonymous currency that can be used digitally coupled with 
a routing system. And the main routing system in the dark net is called TOR, which stands for the onion router. And in a very basic nutshell, it encrypts different communications within the internet so that it's very hard to intercept that and know where your search was going. So if I was to say, hey, I want to find out what OC search was on the surface web, which is not going to be the dark net or the deep web, it's very easy to find out what that is. So the surface web is what we interact with the internet every day. This is information that is both accessible and indexed. So think about anything that's Googleable. And then there's the deep web under that, which is, and actually the majority of the internet is within the deep web. And these are things, they're not illicit per se, they're just not readily available to someone. So I could look up your credit card information, for example. I couldn't just Google your credit card information. So that's going to be part of the deep web. Then within the deep web, we have the dark web. And within that, there are dark net markets. So think anonymous searching plus anonymous cryptocurrency is dark net markets. And something that's been exploding on the dark net is the non-market side of it. So there is ProPublica, Hidden Wiki, DuckDuckGo, this site called Daniel, where it's more of information that is uncensored on the dark net, not necessarily you're making a transaction. So there are, to your point, it's really, really difficult to estimate this. And over time, researchers have tried to get in to the dark net and say like, hey, what's going on here? Actually, there was um, this government takeover of a dark net site, I believe it was in Australia, and it was actually being run by government officials for months to try to figure out what was going on in this market. So a few billion dollars is the estimate of that market. The entire internet, about 5% is estimated to be the dark net. Now, that's a pretty small percentage, but if you think about what's going on in the internet every day, that's actually a pretty big amount of volume and transactions. So it's, it is percentage-wise, yes, small, but definitely nothing to sneeze at as far as um, these illicit market structures and also search engines and information sites that are un, um, unregulated. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> like... I, I imagine that a big part of why it's uh, not quite as big, because obviously the, the the presence of things like drugs and I mean all sorts of illegal things people buy, um, uh, it's uh, it's a booming business in in right. you know in every basically every country everywhere in the world. And um, but I imagine that specifically dealing with the dark net that the sophistication behind like all the tech um required in terms of just like making sure that you actually are anonymous and doing it right um i imagine that probably just scares and, and a lot of people just wouldn't want that stuff like delivered to i mean it's it's uh it's it's just it's one of those it's probably you know, I can't, I mean, outside of like being like a surgeon, I can't think of anything else that requires you to just really know what you're <laughs> doing, you know, before. Trust somebody. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, because um, I feel like getting scammed is like the least of your worries, you know, in a way, like, mm. you know, so, um, <clears throat> so I guess like diving into some of the, the history of sure. this um, is probably, uh, pretty important because I'm I'm just interested how all of this came to be when it came to be if you can speak on that. 
So the United States government actually came up with this anonymous routing technology to so that they could anonymously search um, over the Internet. And they realized that if somebody was getting a signal from some onion routing mechanism, they would immediately know it was the U.S. government. So what they did was they opened it to the public. Now, to your point, this is a really high, we call it a barrier to entry in economics. You're thinking, I need to download this router. I need to get a VPN. I need to get a P, like uh, all this protection. And that's really costly. I don't even know what I'm doing. So that really deters a lot of people from doing this. So before the advent of Bitcoin, basically the only actors in this space were people doing like child and human trafficking and the U.S. government. So very nefarious actors and the government were in this space. But then after Bitcoin came on the scene, we are coupling this anonymous routing with, and I believe in 2011 was the first year that Silk Road One, which is the original darknet market site, came on the scene. So this is, if someone was on the darknet in 2011, they're going to be exchanging on the Silk Road because it was the only one available. And that got shut down in 2013 when Ross Ulbricht, who was accused of um, and found guilty for starting the Silk Road, was apprehended. And a Silk Road 2 popped up, and it actually worked as a very unofficial advertising campaign for the darknet. People are like, wait a minute, we can buy drugs online? Wow. And it just led to this explosion of different sites there. So it has just been growing, 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 and then exploding. And since then, there have been hundreds of different sites. Some of them have come and go. Some of them get resurrected. There are really famous ones. There are really notorious ones. Some are shut down for because somebody was apprehended. Sometimes you have hacking from within a variety of different ways that they're shut down or perpetuate. One of the most uh, popular ones right now is actually Alphabay, and it got shut down a few years ago and then resurrected. And it's unclear who exactly if it has continuous management, but they were at least operating under that original reputation of the platform. So in a nutshell, I want you guys to think of when you think of Darknet, think of Amazon meets illicit markets. Mm -hmm. And people are able to do this because of the anonymity of the searching component and the semi-anonymous nature of cryptocurrency. And then all of these. So think about you have the Amazon, you have the eBay, you have the Etsy, the illicit substance version of all of those. Some of them specialize in certain products. Some of them are sort of like a catch-all marketplace. Some of them um, intentionally distance themselves from certain products because they don't want to attract attention. Some of them, from for a variety of different reasons, a lot of times they're distancing themselves from things because they don't want to bring undue attention to themselves from law enforcement, for example. Mm, yeah, that that's... That last point is really interesting because in my head too, I've always considered things like, um, like I, I feel like there's levels to criminality in a sense and the, like it, that there's like the person who, uh, you know, maybe is uh, selling weed to their friends. They have like an ounce of weed or something like that. Then there's people doing it on a large level. Then there's people dealing with uh, hard drugs. And then to me, like the high, I mean, outside of like murder and like murder and trafficking, things like that, like that's just like a, that's another level of criminality that I imagine people who are really just in it for um, 
the sale of 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 goods like probably don't want to be associated with um but like how, you're very right <laughs> okay yeah no because i i'd imagine like like i'd imagine if you had this thing that was already super legal super risky that to add anything like anything like you know on that level murder or, or human trafficking just brings a whole other level of urgency to shut you yeah. down find out who you are so is, is there like a um I guess, would you know how common the, you know, requesting some of those things like, like human trafficking uh, or hiring mm -hmm. a, a hitman, how common is that like comparing to, to someone who maybe just wants to buy, you know, whatever their favorite drugs are? Sure. And with the caveat of this, it's only what we can know. There's obviously a lot of things behind the scenes that we just don't know. So a lot of this comes from estimates. But many of these sites, and there's a twofold reason that a site would distance itself from products. And actually, I'll read you some of the official rules of Alpha Bay uh, right now. It says no harming of others, hitman services, no guns, no porn, no fentanyl, no COVID vaccines, no doxing, no Russia or Kazakhstan related activity, no ransomware recruiting to access and deploy ransomware. So this site has come and said we are distancing themselves from that. To your point, they're saying we, and there might be an ethical element of this. Hey, we are just trying to make money. We don't want to mess with that stuff. That's a whole le another level of dark and deep that we're not trying to engage in. So that's kind of the ethical component. Another component is the economic component. They're seeing a lot more money to be made in these things that aren't so rare and aren't so dark. And also when you are engaging publicly in things like human trafficking, or for example, fraudulent IDs that really attracts the attention of government. So these sites are saying, you know, it's actually really costly for us to try to evade all this detection. So we're just gonna publicly state that we don't do that and focus on the things that are the biggest money makers for us, which are a whole bunch of basic drugs. And just for their reputation, they don't wanna be associated with something that is laced or leading to someone being unduly harmed or whatnot. So these, these, most of these big sites make these very specific rules. Now to answer your question, a lot of the, the, what you hear about someone hiring a hitman or someone engaging in child trafficking, a lot of this is known as folklore, but people know that it definitely happens. And for the most part, it's going to be in anonymous chat rooms. There also are sites that require you to be verified in multiple ways that you are a verified user of the dark net, you're trustworthy, and then you're allowed to transact on those. I'm actually, I do some consulting on a project that tries to quantify the prevalence of um, child sex trafficking. And we work with a whole bunch of different scholars and researchers from Google and Microsoft. And it is really, really difficult to quantify this because it's so many layers of dark and deep. So a lot of this happens actually in anonymous live webcams. Mm. And it's just difficult to intercept that and quantify that. So there are estimates on this. It's a relatively small proportion of this, mm. but also difficult to get data on it because it happens in these private chat rooms. Yeah. That are multi-encrypted on both sides. Okay, right. Yeah, no, that, and you know, and that, and that just makes a lot of sense naturally because I think, you know, with, um, you know, in comparison to drugs, 
you know, there's, there's like kits and things that you can buy to, um, you know, get a sense of like, you know, if there's certain chemicals or things in there that you don't want to be in there. Um, and, um, you know, but in compare, like the other things t to me, uh, like trafficking or, I mean, if you're in a situation where you need to murder someone that, that you're, how are you going to, that the, the level of trust, um, you know, like, I, like I, to me, like the riskiest thing, like I could ever do is like, buy a car without looking at the Carfax, but it's, it's like, <laughs> man, like imagine trying to either kill a person or buy a person from Oof. someone that you, you will never meet. You don't know. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, you know, you can't examine the, the quota. So, so it makes sense that like that would be, um, discouraged, um, or like that would naturally deter people um, but I, but I'm, I'm getting, I don't know if you know any research on this, but I'm guessing that, um, things like, uh, I mean, anything to do with trafficking or murder, there's probably a certain, like, l like kind of like a organized league of people with reputations, uh, to, to some level. Cause I, I imagine they don't like, you can't just be anybody, um, just some random stranger trying to like partake in these things. Um, I just, I just imagine that there would be, um, yeah, that it's not just something that anyone can just like request, you know? So, so that, and it's just really, really hard to know who is doing that. If it's a coordinated effort for the, um, so from the trafficking side, it's really difficult. A lot of it is, this is another reason why it's really hard to track down because it's very decentralized. So I know for the child trafficking, just, I mean, and just, just heartbreaking and horrible, but it oftentimes comes from someone who's very close to the child or a caretaker who offers these different services. And so they get connected with an overall network of the possibility of doing this, but they're doing it as a re relatively independent actor, as far as we can tell. And the majority of these sites that are the most nefarious are scams. Mm -hmm. So you can look up someone's offering these really horrible services. The vast majority of them are not legitimate at all. You can go on the dark net and you will find things that say, you can pay me to, for example, ruin somebody's reputation. That is really difficult to verify that that's been done. And the majority of these things are trying to get money from you. So an exit scam, trying to get money from you and then never deliver on the, on the supposed surface. Mm. And there are actually a lot of sites on the surface web and in the dark net calling out these scams. And to your point, it's really incumbent upon these groups. And we call, I call them platform providers. So think of like the Amazon, for example, mm. it's really important for them. Like you were saying, how do you get somebody to trust someone, right? How do we trust someone at our local supermarket, much less in a country that we have never been to, yeah. speaking a language that we maybe not even speak, we've never seen them, we can't call the cops up if they have, you know, scammed us on something. So it's these platforms that try to make themselves really legitimate and have these different enforcement mechanisms just in case something goes wrong between the buyer and seller. So the platforms have moderators, they have administrators, they have very set rules. Alphabay, for example, they started implementing this auto um, 
uh, dispute resolution mechanism. They're just saying like, oh. hey, what are the biggest disputes that we have and how can we just automate this? And what that does is it sets expectations for buyers and sellers. And these administrators, and you can read publicly what's going on. There's, You can see the public disputes being moderated. And these moderators, for the most part, are no nonsense. If they, if a seller, for example, is accused of scamming a buyer, they will pause their account, investigate it, have them be made whole. They will require the seller to compensate the buyer in some way, typically. And the buyer, for the most, or excuse me, the seller, for the most part, doesn't want to engage in this um, untrustworthy behavior because then their reputation goes down. Mm. And actually, a co-author of mine researched the impact of having a good reputation. Does it allow these different sellers to make more money? And we found that, yes, it actually does. So just like in our everyday world, you know, mm. going and buying a sandwich or a latte or something, um, the reputation of something allows them to charge a premium price. So these sellers are competing with each other for these high price buyers for these type of goods. So they want to protect their reputation. And a lot of these markets too make it more difficult or have you verified to come in. And once you've been accused of scamming or verified to scamming, you're booted off. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that, that, um, uh, that's so interesting that, um, you know, that, that like this kind of like uh, almost like a buyer protection or even seller sure. protection would be, um, you know, in place. And, and it makes me like think, too, because like I think on a on a tech level, I don't know if you would know when when people are then, um, you know, discovered uh, to, for maybe like being sellers on this site or, or running them, then they're arrested. I'm just I'm curious to mm. like if you know what their backgrounds are in the sense that mm. like on a tech level, I feel like the suspects are narrowed down because how many people are even like capable or have the background mm. that would like show that they are capable of like, re like remaining anonymous, being able to basically, I mean, you're in a way they're, they're outdoing law enforcement until the very moment they're caught. Like, so like, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, like, do you, do you, have you been able to maybe see the backgrounds of some of these people and like, I don't know. Yeah. Great question. So think about what traditional illicit markets allows you to be successful. A big portion of it is your ability to make a personal connection mm -hmm. because so that's going to favor people with certain personalities that are easily trustworthy or they can convey trust. But in the dark net, you can't do that. Someone's not meeting you. Someone's not saying, hey, he's a nice guy. He seems trustworthy, right? It's some random username. So what it does is it shifts that expertise from in-person personality to tech savviness. And a lot of it has to do with marketing too. So a lot of these people who are found to be running and a variety of, of the vast majority of them who've been shut down, they have this tech background to your point. Mm -hmm. So, and they are, depending on what they sell, somewhat connected to the overarching surface market of that. For example, if they sell MDMA, some of them are manufacturing it on their own, but some of them are also connected to the in-person market of that drug. Mm -hmm. But it really favors people who aren't necessarily personally social, but they're very tech savvy. 
And so these sellers engage in a whole bunch of different schemes to try to get people to buy their product. One thing that's so crazy is they off, a lot of them offer free samples. And what's wild is other buyers will chemically test these compositions and post the results. They'll say, hey, this seller claims that this is the purity of, for example, their cocaine. I found that that actually is the case and I'm verifying this and here's the results of the test or actually find that it's not the case. So for these sellers, they want to make sure because they know people are posting this reviews, they do ratings, they do reviews. And so they want to put a good foot forward, if you will, and say, hey, we are a, and again, I just want to make a caveat. We are talking about drugs here, right? We're not making an ethical statement. We're just talking about this from an economic perspective. But so I, I was just about to use the phrase good faith effort, you know, good faith effort, considering they're selling cocaine or whatnot. So that is something that everybody's really aware of. And this community, because there is no third party enforcement, you can't call the government up and say that this drug deal went wrong. So the platforms provide all of that enforcement in-house. And that's why I say they're really no nonsense because they're saying, hey, we don't have to deal with your shenanigans here. There are thousands of other vendors we'd rather deal with than someone who is continuously scamming. Um, we know that the vast majority of this is in the, uh, the U.S. is number one, Russia, the Netherlands, um, France, and Germany. So those are the top five countries where we see a lot of action going on on the darknet. And it's estimated that about 26% of activity on the darknet is in the U.S., which is the highest, which is the, the large, just the largest proportion. Um, something that we've noticed in the darknet, which I actually find really encouraging for non-illicit substances, is that when we see the breakdown of regimes in, for example, in Venezuela, we see actually a huge uptick in use in the darknet mm. and basic goods and services being sold in the darknet, toiletries, um, basic foodstuffs, that sort of thing, because so many of their other avenues were shut down. And to your point, OC, you wouldn't go through all this trouble to, you know, encrypt yourself if it wasn't absolutely necessary to do. Yeah. And so so it's especially important in areas that have a lot of censorship with regimes. And we've seen an uptick of that. But just the bare bones numbers, we don't see the vast majority of them in censored countries. Russia is the exception to that in our top five Um but for example, we don't see a lot of action in Venezuela or North Korea or China, for example. Mm. So there definitely is action on there, but it's not the majority of what's happening on the dark net. Yeah, man, that's so um, interesting. You know, to your point earlier, because I was I was just thinking about um, I, I, I think I, I kept thinking about like what uh, you know, how savvy someone would have to be to, to run yeah. this type of thing and it made me kind of laugh because I was thinking about if like, I don't know, if there was a situation where um, someone like broke into, I don't know, like a school and stole a mm. tuba, but like there was like a report that like, <laughs> before they stole the tuba, they played it. And like the person heard it and it was like, wow, like the person was like really, really, really good at the tuba. <laughs> And how that would like that would narrow it down to They're like, like it must be OC exactly, and friends. Exactly. Literally, they're the in, best. In LA, like in LA, like if, if they heard the recording, it's like, yeah, that's 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 a pro. It would narrow it down to like 
Wow. Like probably 50 people. Like it would just wow. immediately go down to 50 people. And okay. um, so, so like in, in that regard, like that, <laughs> that and it just, cause it's like, man, like I just wonder if it's uh, people who have had the experience of like running like maybe it for like intelligence mm. community because it's like man like you got to be so and and to also be able to sleep at night like being confident yeah. that like you're really doing this thing the right way um you know and and not that this is your field because i it, in a way it, it kind of uh i guess this is more conspiracy ish but I, this level of sophistication to me mm. um there's there's no way like i feel like crime at this level at all crime at all like there's there's always one of two things going on whether that there's full-on corruption um mm. and where law enforcement really is like has been bought to some degree or there's just like such a gross level of incompetence and negligence mm. that like i i guess i don't you know i don't know if you would know this but like to what to what do, do you do you think that like at this level to keep something like this going to some degree these people that run this site would have to have an in on law enforcement to some degree to be like i don't know that is a, i've never thought of that frankly and mm. from what i know the case is no Mm. Now, to my point about the law enforcement running one of those sites masquerading as the original starter, that has happened and does happen. But this, um, and this is international too. Mm. So this is not going to be, it's not like if you buddy buddy up with your local, even city or state law enforcement, it necessarily does you any good. Maybe if you're buddying up with the CIA, mm. but, but for the most part, I don't, yeah, I, I have not come across that that much. Um, yeah, I don't have a great answer on that. <laughs> I don't yeah. have a great answer on or that. Or I guess, or maybe maybe an um, easier thing to to I guess like quantify. Um, yeah, would be like um, the the has or is there any like studies or anything that shows like the skill level um, of these guys in the dark net on a technical level in comparison to like maybe the government's best IT workers mm. um, in that mm. like, like is the government constantly like a step behind? Are these guys, like does the innovation on this end happen in the, in uh, uh, illegal markets or does it happen more on the government side? But um, yeah, I wonder if this is like a classic, like, uh, private versus public where like uh, there's more money there's more incentive that's where the most talented people go but um yeah like do, what, do you understand do you do you know um what the sophistication of their setup is in comparison to the government so i know that they're always trying to keep one step ahead mm -hmm. and one of the things too is now the government has opened this pandora's box if you will and mind you they were the ones that originally created the anonymous routing system so the government said whoops this had some huge unintended consequences that we were not even anticipating so as far as i know to shut down the darknet 
you literally have to shut down the entire internet. It is that pervasive now. So just like any illegal activity, the government's going to be saying, okay, who are, who are these groups that are causing the most trouble? Who are the groups that are causing the most harm? So those type of groups are going to be illegal trafficking. Those are going to be um, groups that are involved in the illicit trade of weapons. I have never seen this listed, but I've heard that nuclear weapons are available on the dark net. Again, I have not verified this. And there's a lot of folklore in this space, but we're talking very um, powerful weapons. Also, fraudulent identification. Governments do not like when sites are trying to sell fraudulent identification. So that's kind of puts a target on your head, but they are constantly one step ahead of they're trying to be one step ahead of these government enforcement. And this is going to be international. This isn't just going to be the U.S. This is going to be the governments of Europe. This is going to be the governments of Asia. You know, multiple governments are trying to shut this down. And it's usually with a partnership of some sort, some partnership of industry, for example. But I, yeah, that's that would be very interesting to look into mm. just the sophistication. And something to note about this is this is it is concentrated in those five countries I listed, but it's a global market. Wow. So think about how many tech savvy people there are in the world. You're thinking a huge, 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 huge number of people just to pick as even, for example, a moderator in this site. Hmm. Man, I, that. Yeah, there, this is uh, this is one of those because I know we're we're uh, all coming down to our last few minutes here, and uh, honestly, man, luckily for you, um, uh, we have a a, a time constraint because I I, man, I could keep going till <laughs> eleven. I know, I was like, tomorrow, I could keep talking right? about this too. For yeah, hours. it's it's the this is this because it's so again like like the starting off, um, in getting ready for this, I just realized because it made me think like, well, you know, um, uh, to some extent. Are like shipping companies like possibly involved in this in terms of like mm. you know to like you know there there's uh there this is like this is one of those topics where like it's an endless rabbit hole if you just really want to dig into it and I guess my yeah. my last question for you would just be um I guess in you're probably one of uh, a few people really that that understand the dark net on uh the level that you do and i'm curious that like maybe on a on a personal level in researching this and like kind of seeing like the the raw human nature of these markets and just everything you've learned is there ha has it changed your perspective on society or everyday life like to to some degree at all yeah the biggest impact, I think, just to take away this from this crazy world that probably the majority of us are never going to touch into something that what does this mean for us in our everyday life? Part of what I study is the mechanisms that these platform providers come up with to try to build trust. And that's something that I think, frankly, anybody can take away into their everyday life, whether it be trust with a friend or family member, trust with a coworker, trust with a customer, trust or trust with one of your vendors. And they go through because they cannot go to a third party enforcement mechanism, meaning because they cannot call the cops, because they can't get the FBI involved because of the nature of the goods that they're selling because they're illegal. 
they have to do everything in-house. So they are very meticulous on, and you will find this, it's almost hilarious what goes on, how similar it is to just everything else. They'll have partnerships, they'll have advertising, the platform will say like, hey, here are our featured vendors for the week. And this is who we partner with. And here is a verified vendor that we really like. So building those reputations and building that trust through user comments, user reviews, each platform has a different set of star ratings. Some of them are one to five. Some of them are ratings from one to 10, different sets of stars. But that um, communication, also, it's really interesting to read the dispute resolution. These moderators, I mean, if you didn't know that they were selling illicit substances, this could have been a moderator from someone who stole cereal from the grocery store. I mean, it literally is like, hey, she said that, and he said this, and this is what happened. And then the moderator is coming in and being like, okay, guys, let me try to fix this, figure this out. So that is hilariously something that every human being, I feel like, is known for. But something I think we can learn from the darknet is how particular they are in this reputation building, how detail-oriented they are. They can't take a lot for granted. So both the sellers um, and the platform providers are engaged in a whole bunch of different techniques, advertising, providing of club goods, partnerships, to try to fortify the buyer's confidence in the fact that they are purchasing what they actually want to be purchasing. Yeah, wow. Um... Yeah, no, this is a, you know, this is, I think, I think like we planned, like talking about this in a broader sense, um, you know, this is definitely a good place to pause because you're now, and we got to bring you on for a part two because. Okay, I'm in. Oh man. Darknet part two. Absolutely. Because this is, because I think diving into the specifics of that trust that you're talking about would be so cool to to understand just like how that's uh, developed. But for now, um, man, this is, but like I said, going into, I knew this was going to be a fun combo. Um, so, uh, I really appreciate it. We'll just pause right there and do, you know, installment number two. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but no, this is, this is perfect. Um, yeah, no, I, so I, I, and I really appreciate your time uh, for Absolutely, this. Absolutely, my pleasure. Yeah, and, um, yeah, no, for, for everyone listening, uh, as usual, I appreciate, you know, just appreciate you, especially making it to the end. Uh, this is a song called Life, and we're out. <laughs>